You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. It's another day. It's another dollar. Today we're going to be answering some of your phone calls, which is not super different than usual. Uh, if you're new here, 608-501-0718 is the phone number to call. Please call in. Give me your thoughts, your feelings, your uh, deepest desires. Whatever that may be, please keep it uh, moderately family-friendly because I know I a lot of people heard what I just said and they're like, oh, I got some ideas. No, no, not that, not that. Just ignore 90% of what I say and focus on what's important. Um, that's the 10% where I said call in and talk about the Packers and stuff. By the way, there is a rule here. New callers, they go to the front of the line, and we got one. New caller. Here we go. Hey, man, this is Jason Mahal. I was calling on that uh, taco rating the other day. You should try a full board quesadilla. I mean, our defense sucks, man. So we need to get rid of Joe Barry, get some Jim Leonard in there. Look that goes. Also, I had a dream of Jordan Love. Jordan, after the box. I missed all the important parts of that call. Something about a quesadilla. I did hear our defense sucks. And then you had a dream about Jordan Love, and I don't know what happened. Also, Mr. Nate, it sounds like Jake from Holland, but I don't think you're from Holland. Maybe Jake from Iowa? I don't know. Oh, pulled pork quesadilla. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. That sounds good. By the way, I don't know if I said this yet, but I, I told you guys I made that brisket. Brisket freaking tacos, dude. Next level. Might be my new favorite. It's just the mix of like the, first of all, the the smokiness from being smoked, but the beefiness of that um, that brisket. But then you get those strips of fat in there, so it's super fatty and super beefy and super smoky and good Lord in heaven almighty. And I, I've got some trash taco uh, quesadillas. Like, they've been sitting on my fridge for a while. I'm doing that thing where I'm, like, microwaving them with in-between two wet paper towels to try to hydrate them a little bit, but they're still kind of just falling apart, and they suck. Still, so good. Just greasy. And, and then it's like, you, because there's so much fat in there, you pick it up, and the, and the 
grease is just dripping off of it. And it's like, oh, thank you so much. But yeah, dude, pulled pork tacos are amazing. Pulled pork quesadillas, I'm sure, are f- freaking to die for. Um, but yeah, appreciate the call. And I'm I'm going to say your name is Jake, but I don't know. Maybe I should just say Jake from Holland. Let's just go with that, because I think I already have a bunch of Jakes. It's probably Randy from Georgia. I don't know. I couldn't couldn't really understand that. Um, I'm also going to go with Nico because I accidentally clicked on it and then it's not bolded anymore. So then I'm going to think I already heard the call and I didn't. And I don't want to skip it. So we're going to go to a random spot in the middle and then we'll go back up at the top. Nico, what's going on, man? Hey, Ryan. So hey, a couple days about the Packernet after the Oh, okay. You got it today. There you go. So um, <laughs> Jones in there a little, you know, like what's going on with you not doing the after So I listened to... Uh, Mike Whale on uh, What's His Face's Pack a Day. Yeah. And I didn't know he had his own podcast with, with uh, Mon Green. So, hello. Listen to that. Listen to their Chicago breakdown. I tell you what, listen to it. Sounds like they are 100% agreeing it's coaching. So, uh, maybe they need to hire Mike Whale because that's what it sounds like he knows he's talking about. He's not a bad uh, offensive lineman. So, uh, just throwing that out there and uh, go pack go. I'm assuming you're talking about defense, but I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, uh, coaching has been somewhat of an issue. Trevor in Virginia, what's going on? Hey, Ryan. Uh, with the bye week, I thought we'd talk about everybody's favorite topic, uh, Christian Watson. Yes. Um, I was curious, how many teams does Christian Watson have more receiving touchdowns than their entire receiving core? Like, I know... Pretty sure the other day that the Titans have four touchdown passes to wide receivers. Not solo touchdown passes, just to receivers, you know, because running back tight ends yeah. and stuff like that. But um, I'm pretty sure with Russell Wilson only having thrown eight touchdowns all year, he probably beats out the Broncos receiving core too, which is hilarious. Um, I'm just curious, how how bad are some of these teams in the NFL that Christian Watson seven touchdowns? How many more teams full receiving core does he have more touchdowns than this, you know, garbage second round pick who can't get on the field that we drafted? Um, but yeah, go back, go. Great question. Let's go team by team here. Um, I'm going to get Twitter ready to rock and roll. I know a lot of people are mad. I, I posted earlier that apparently it's going to go to 4,000 characters. You know how many times I've wanted to tweet cool things like this, and I can't because it doesn't fit, and I'm saying nonsense like, um, see what, more TDs than, and then doing like the abbreviated name for the for the teams. And everyone's like, this is stupid. Why don't you speak English? It's like, you jag off. It doesn't fit. Well, that doesn't take this into account. Where do you want me to put that? Where do you want me to put the context in this tweet? There's no more space, jerk. Arizona, their wide receivers have 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Atlanta, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Close. Baltimore, 3, 4, 5, 6. So Baltimore has 6. Carolina has six. Unfortunately, Chicago has a bunch of one touchdown wide receivers here. So they got two, four, and then five, six, seven, eight. They got nine to seven different receivers. They only have eight receivers and seven of them have touchdowns. Only two of those seven have more than one. Bengals have a billion touchdowns. I'm not even going to add it up. Cleveland has Amari, who has seven. Uh, Dallas has, actually, they have ten. Uh, Denver, three, four, five, six, as you alluded to. Detroit has Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, Houston, two, four, five, six. Uh, Indianapolis has seven, the same as Watson. 
Jacksonville has Christian Kirk with seven. Chiefs, Chiefs actually, Mikkel Hardman only has four, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten only, but I'm sure that a lot of that was a tight end. Uh, Raiders have Devontae. Um, the Rams have more. Chargers have uh, 11. Miami has more. Minnesota obviously has more. Patriots have seven. The Saints have six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Giants, two, four, five, six, seven. So the Giants have the same amount. The Jets, four, five, six, seven. So the Jets have the same. Eagles have a bunch. The Steelers, the Steelers have two. The Steelers have two. Both of them to George Pickens. They have two, two touchdowns to wide receivers. The 49ers have more. Seahawks have more. Tampa, three, six, seven, uh, three, three, learn to count, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Tennessee has five. And Washington actually surprisingly has a bunch. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. So Christian Watson officially has more touchdowns, and, and this is not including yesterday's games. These are not accounted for. Some of these are not going to be on the list after this. But Baltimore, Carolina, Denver, Houston, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee, the same amount of touchdowns as all the wide receivers in Indy, New England, the Giants, and the Jets. Good stuff, man. Appreciate the call. It's funny, too, because if you track my Twitter, you'll be able to see when I answered your uh, your call by when I tweet out the answer to your question. <laughs> let's, um, we'll come back to Trevor. We got a couple Trevors, but let's uh, skip ahead to Tom, see what he's up to. Pack Daddy's Dream Home. Describe it. My dream home? Um, there would be no neighbors, lots of acreage, water to go fishing, um, and somehow yet close enough to things that I enjoy. You know? So like 30 minutes out, you've got, you know, stuff, stores, whatnot. And, you know, ideally, you've got the store that's like five minutes away, just in case you don't really want to go all out. You just need to pick up some milk, you know, a quick trip or something. Um, you know, a store and a quick trip, let's say, kind of like the setup I have here now. But you got the restaurants and all that stuff, just just a, a quick 30 minutes out. But, uh, yeah, it's, that's about it. I don't even need a lot of land. I, I just want there to be space, you know? I want to go outside in my backyard with my giant smoker, with a big old pile of chopped wood, and look out in any direction and just see beautiful scenery. Not people, you know? Not uh, stupid stuff and traffic and cars and things. Just grass and sky. That'd be good. Hey, Ryan! Hey! It's Joe, the janitor from hey. Connecticut. Hey, Joe, what's the up, janitor. Buddy? Hey, what's up? So, um... Everything's pretty good over, you know, over here. Great. Um, I just finished helping the brother-in-law clean the rest of the soot from his uh, furnace blowing up. Um, you know, made a couple hundred bucks that I really didn't want to take from him because I hate him and I don't want his money. But it's all good. He uh, forced it on me. Yeah. And I did do a lot of work for him, so I guess the... Uh, it's earned, but uh, I got a question. I like how you 
don't hate him so much that you aren't willing to put in hours of work, but you hate him too much to take his money. That part's kind of funny. I was uh, to trying me. to look into defensive coordinators that are going to be available next year. Okay. Because Joe Barry sucks so bad. Got it. And um, he, I don't think he knows that um, he has Jair Alexander and he should play him uh, 12 feet off of the, or 12 yards off of the line of scrimmage. But, sure. You know, I guess when you're an idiot, you deserve <laughs> to get fired. So, anyway, um, yeah. What other defensive coordinators do you have in mind? Like realistic ones. Not trying to take uh, defensive coordinators from other teams. Like an up and coming guy that um that might be interesting to us. Anyway, I was just thinking. What's your biggest fan, fan, Chalone. Well, um What the f hang up. Thank you. So I still haven't done a ton of work other than um, our buddy Jim Leonard. And I'll be honest, I'm starting to talk myself out of Jim Leonard. I know that's blasphemy among most Packer fans. Um, I'm not saying I'm totally opposed to it, and if we get him, I'm not going to go on a big old hype fest and try to get jacked up about it, because I will, like I do with everybody. You know, just I wasn't big on Rashawn, but when we drafted him, I got excited about it. Uh... But I'm I'm just starting to as I look at the total the totality of it all, I just see more risk than reward. I think. But since I don't have my own list, I'll, I'll give you somebody else's list. Um, number one is somebody that everybody would absolutely hate, but that's Jim Schwartz. Obviously, he is mostly known to us as the Detroit Lions head coach from 2009 to 2013 before going back to Buffalo in 2014 to be their defensive coordinator, then went to the Eagles 2016 to 2020, and then is now the Tennessee Titans uh, senior defensive assistant. Now, the biggest question is, because, again, I think most Packer fans look at it and say, that's the that's the Lions head coach, and, and those guys sucked and everything. Fine, but we're not talking head coach. We're talking defensive coordinator. Well, if we look at his time in Tennessee prior to um, coming or going to Detroit, the defense, just in terms of points in that span, uh, was extremely volatile. So in uh, 2001, they ranked 25th. That was his first year. Um, was that his first year? I guess it was his first year. It's kind of weird because they were actually very good the year prior, and then they brought in, um, anyways, whatever. So 25th, then 11th, 13th, 30th, 29th, 31st, and then 8th, and then 2nd. And then he goes and gets a head coaching gig. And my, my issue with that generally, just before we move on, is that he's getting credit for the 8 and the 2 without being scrutinized for the 31st, 29th, and 30th. And if you say, well, the players, well, then what does that have to do with him? But anyways, after his stint with the Detroit Lions, Buffalo's like, hey, that guy was a great defensive coordinator. Let's bring him over here. What happened? Well, they went from the 20th. So just to be clear, here is going all the way back to 2005. Buffalo, in terms of points, ranked 24th, 10th, 18th, 14th, 16th, 28th, 30th, 26th, and 20th. They have been straight garbage and not better than top half since 2008. He comes in to be the defensive coordinator, and they jump to fourth. Fourth, which they haven't been fourth uh, defensive points since 1999, when they were second. 
So then the Jets are like, well, screw this, dude. We need to get him. So he goes, the Jets somehow scoop him up and make him, or excuse me, the Eagles make him the defensive coordinator. They were, prior to Schwartz getting there, their defense ranked 28th. Schwartz comes in there, they jump to 12th. The very next year, they jump to 4th. After that, they were 12th, 15th, and then 20th. He started to slip again before going off to Tennessee. Maybe he's just jumping ship. It's like, I am looking pretty good here. Better go while the getting's good. But clearly a, a vast improvement to go from 28th to 12th, and then the very next year, we're talking year two, you're a top five defense, just like that. That's that, To be honest, that's what most fan bases want, right? The first year, you take a big jump. You're not elite, but you still take a big jump because it's your first year and, and things are good. The second year, when everybody figures things out, that's when you're dominant. After that, I don't know. It depends on the players and whatnot, and you, know, you can't sustain it forever, but that's kind of the hope for most. Schwartz did it. Nobody here has ever been able to do that. And you can't really tell me much about new players because the Eagles, I feel like, have had the same defense for about 15 years. Anyways, then he goes to Tennessee in 2021 and 2022. In the year prior, the defense ranked 24th. So, so teams that are like middling, right? We're not even middling. We're, we're bad. 24th-ish. They call Schwartz and they're like, dude, fix us. He jumps from 24th place to last year being the sixth best defense. This is just in terms of points. And then this year so far, they rank 11th on defense. So Schwartz isn't a name that most people are going to like because they just remember failed head coach in Detroit. But I think as a defensive mind, and, and the other concern is he's an older guy, so how much is he like in tune with newer philosophies? But um, I mean, it's wherever he's going, they're finding success. And considering we do have talent, it's not a matter of, well, you can't just bring in a guy and fix things. You got to actually have players. We got players. I'm not going to go through, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll read off the rest of the list, but I'm just going to go through Schwartz and what he's done and say, I can't say definitively that I would hate Jim Schwartz being the defensive coordinator. He really hasn't had a bad, maybe one since, what, his last two years in, in Tennessee? He had two good years in Tennessee before coming the, becoming the head coach in Detroit, and then pretty much all had great defenses aside from, again, I think it was one year that the team, was it the Eagles or something, dropped to 20th? So it's a name. It doesn't have a lot of the downside that uh, a guy like Jim Leonard has in terms of can he even manage in the NFL, you know, and does he understand how to operate in the NFL? And there's so much that goes on with being an NFL coach. The players, the the other coaches, the the NFL in general, the the systems and the, the, the different ways that teams play, and just things that Schwartz knows because he's immersed in the NFL 24-7 and has been in the NFL since, uh, gee, I don't know, uh, 1989? Well, 1990, actually. 1989, he was a graduate assistant linebackers coach in Maryland. But he, he went to, uh, oh, actually, Minnesota might have been the college. So the Browns in 1993 is when he went to become, he was actually a scout. That's crazy. I've never seen that before. A coach gets his first crack at the NFL by becoming a scout puts in three years as a scout, and then goes back to being an outside linebackers coach for the Ravens, then defensive assistant for the Titans, becomes a linebacker coach for the Titans before becoming the Tennessee Titans. Oh, hello there. Anyways, uh, the other people that are on this particular list, um, you've got uh, Ajiro Evero, you've got Eric Washington, two very big names. you got Jim Leonard from Win- uh, Minnesota, jeez, Wisconsin, Ryan Walters, defensive coordinator out of Illinois. I haven't seen that one yet. 
Um, Brian Flores, another big name. Again, I'm kind of out on Flores just for all the dramatic stuff going on. Joe Witt Jr., secondary coach for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Ronaldo Hill, defensive coordinator for the Chargers. I don't, I mean, maybe, but Chargers? I don't know. Uh, Nick Rallis, linebackers coach for the Eagles. Jonathan Cooley, defensive back coach, line line of scrimmage. Los Angeles Rams. Aaron Glenn, defensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, the 32nd ranked Detroit Lions. I doubt it. Um, and that's it. That's the full list. So a couple different names on there I'll have to check out, but that's all we got for now. All right, why don't we go to Steve in Alaska, because, again, he's got a bunch of calls, so we'll start whittling away at those before we get all caught up. Hey, Alaska again. <laughs> Listen to Tom, and he has a question about the whole, the whole movie thing. Um, you missed the greatest sequel of all times, Empire Strikes Back. There's... It's, it's, it's the only movie franchise that I know of that is massive and totally hangs on the fact that they made a second movie. If it wasn't for Empire Strikes, I mean, you know, the first one, it was great, but really, you really got sucked in by Empire Strikes Back. So that, that's the only I gotta say about that one. All right. I'm probably gonna call it again. I'm listening to your stuff. Sorry. You beat that. I hope you beat that. I'm listening to your stuff and I will call back again. I'll go back and beep it. You guys are between this and uh, yesterday's laughing at the enemy. I actually looked up how to do hotkeys because it was just taking forever. So I got a I got a bleeping hotkey now. But yeah, I uh, I will grant you that. Um, well, a couple things I'll I'll grant you before I admit that I think Star Wars is the dumbest thing ever. Um, number one, massive film. I mean, in terms of popularity, there's no question that. Um, that is up there with one of, if not the greatest, I don't know what the numbers would, would indicate or whatever, but one of, if not the greatest franchises ever. I, I know some of the newer ones, obviously the grossing continues to go up because there's more people and more access and all that stuff. But adjusting for era, I have to assume it's it's way up there. Number two, I will grant you that the second one and the third one are not any worse than the first one so there really wasn't any like drop off like hey one was great and two was trash although you know number two was equally as not interesting as number one would be the way that i guess i would phrase that i know i'm gonna get a lot of hate for that but it it just i think star wars is just something you either like it or you don't and i think the if i had to guess the vast majority of people that really like star wars were introduced to star wars at a young age Either you were young when it came out and it was like a huge thing, or when you were young, your dad sat you down and were like, you got to check this out, it's dope. And you watched and you're like, that is dope. And then you just grow up continually liking. Because you can get into stuff when you're young. But I, I think any adult like myself that watched Star Wars for the first time at this age, I would be stunned if there were a ton of people that were like 30 years old. It's not that I haven't seen Star Wars. I'm sure I've seen bits and pieces, but like actually sat down and said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to watch the older ones and then the newer ones. I would guess the vast majority would watch it and say, this is the dumbest thing ever. Hey, uh, I actually had another question about Jair. Um, obviously not after this year, but after like starting next year, I mean, how hard is it, his contract to get out of? Um, I'm not saying we need to, but I'm just kind of curious because he looked so good, and then he had the injury. And I mean, I don't know. This year, he just doesn't. I mean, he got cooked several times against the Bears. 
by a receiver who we know should not be beating him. And I don't know if he's just trying to bait too much or if he – I don't know what the deal is. I mean, I wouldn't have expected Fields to go over the top like that either, so I don't know that I can really fault him that much there. But he just has all great. I mean, I know he's getting more praise in the media now because he's got the uh, the interceptions. And I, I actually about cracked up laughing when he got the pick to seal the game and the, the commentator said that he's having a career year because it was his like fourth <laughs> interception or whatever. I didn't hear And that. I'm like, have, have you seen how many yards he's given up this game and the weeks that passed? You're going to say he's having a career year? No, he's had much better years. Like, the, the interceptions don't make it his career year. But anyway, um, you know, there was a chance that we paid him, and now he's content, and he, you know, gets his money, and maybe he's not going to be as good. So I'm just kind of curious to know if he, if he has another bad year next year, and we really wanted to, is he tradable, you know, contract-wise? Is he cuttable? Um, what's, what's the deal there? I don't know. Just what are your thoughts on Jair, too? Am I overreacting, or has he looked really bad? Well, I'll I'll answer you directly as far as the contract. First of all, um, the contract isn't as bad as I necessarily thought. Now you can't really move on next year. Um, it would cost us essentially four million dollars to move on. Now it would be twenty four million in dead cap, but he's already getting twenty next year. It jumps up to twenty million dollars, so it's four additional million, and then he's off your cap. Um, if you decide to do it in 2024, it's 18. Now, there's nuance to this. Is it pre-June 1st, post-June 1st? And then there's um, these little uh, roster bonuses and whatnot, March 20th. So if you do it prior to the roster bonus, um, that's $11.4 million. So you figure you take that $24 million, you subtract the uh, $11.4 million, I believe is how you would work that out. So it would actually only be 13. So there's there's different things that would change that to make it not impossible. Here's generally how I'm viewing the answer to your question. Um, I think there is a camp of people, and it, and it can be a mixture, and it probably is a mixture, but there's the it's Joe Barry's fault group and the it's the player's fault group. Um, and, and by the way, the Joe Barry's fault would encompass the problems with the players have to do with the coach, whether it's motivation, whether it's scheme, whatever. There's also situational issues. For example, the, the team is not playing as well, not just because they don't like Joe Barry, not just because the scheme is garbage and they don't like it, but also the team is bad and they're not playing as hard because the team is bad, right? There, there could be other locker room things. Um, I have seen several people essentially come to the conclusion that basically the entire team was never good. They're all a fluke. Jair's a fluke. Um, Stokes was a fluke. Amos was a fluke, a, 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 like a 10-year fluke. Um, you know, uh, on and on and on and on. Kenny was a fluke, and um, Preston was a fluke. Everybody was a fluke. Elton, Even on the offense, Elton Jenkins was a fluke. Uh, Josh Myers, for whatever he was worth, was a fluke. A.J. Dillon was a fluke. I don't think that makes more sense than just acknowledging that something unusual is happening with the team, especially considering something unusual is happening league-wide, but also specifically with this team. And so I'm not jumping to the conclusion that any one player is just not as good. It's possible. I mean, we can isolate Jair and say he uniquely is what it was a fluke with Jair. 
But we have no way to parse that out or separate that. How do we know that he was a fluke, but nobody else was? And if we're not saying that, then we're saying that everybody else that is having a down year, it's a fluke, and this is how good they actually are, which makes less sense because we have much more information to suggest that all these guys are actually better than what they're playing than to suggest that for several years all these guys have been pretending to be good but actually aren't that good. And so as a result, my general thought is let's not overreact and try to replace an entire roster of players that have proven to be quite good. Let's not cut premier players like Jair Alexander, really solid players like Preston. Let's not go down that road until we at least get back to a point where the team doesn't have this sort of infection, right? If we get back to the point where things are as they were, let's just say in 2021, and everybody just kind of is what they are, but Jair is still playing poorly, well, then you can isolate Jair in that situation and say Jair is the issue. But when the entire team, for the most part, I mean, Rashawn had a great year. Some guys, I'm trying to think of who else would be on that list. I can't think of anybody. Aaron Jones, elite. Here's, Here's an interesting note, just saying those two. What do we know about those two? Really high character guys, really hardworking guys, the kinds of guys that you would maybe expect to overcome some kind of a locker room funk or some kind of a funk based on a lot of losses, those kinds of things, because they have a duty and an obligation to their team, to themselves, to their family. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to speak ill of, of everybody else. I'm more so trying to speak high of those guys. It takes a high level of character to overcome how horrible everything is and to continue to give 100% despite all, the, uh, despite all the issues. Who else? David Bakhtiari? Struggling to come up with a fourth name. Amos fell off. Savage fell off. Stokes fell off. Jair fell off. Kenny fell off. Uh, Dean, I believe, is probably lower. Preston fell off. Elton fell off, although he's rebounding. Josh Myers, I think, is slightly worse. John Runyon, I'm not positive. Again, A.J. Dillon, he had a great game, but has had a, a worse year. So, I mean, I, I guess the first thing you would need to do is, is try to parse out how to tell the difference between somebody that um, is just a part of the general infection and somebody that is not a part of that, that is, that is you believe is actually worse and therefore should be cut. And I would say you would need to take special precautions when you're talking about one of the best corners in all of football who we just paid a massive amount of money to, who's only 25 years old, and we're going to take on a massive dead cap hit just to get rid of the guy. I mean, we'll get a first-round pick back, no, no question, because 31 other teams would look at us like, you freaking idiots, yes, please, take, my, take all of my picks. But, um, and, and I, I don't mean to dismiss it. It's entirely possible that Jair is just this. Like, from, from now on, this is it. But I just, I'm not there yet. And, and I will also say this, it's more than likely that at least one person on this defense will not rebound even if everybody else does. But I don't know that that's Jair, and I don't know how to separate him from everybody else other than to say, everybody that fell off, they didn't actually fall off, this is just who they really are, therefore we need to re- just cut everybody and rebuild an entire new defense, cut everybody on offense, start an entire new offense. Which to me, maybe that's a rational point, I feel like that's just pessimism and sort of being overly dramatic in the face of a very disappointing season. This is so bad. Just cut everybody. Just fire everybody. Get rid of everybody. I'm, ty- I'm tired of the gyre sucks. Cut them. Rodgers is trash. Get rid of them. Which, I mean, maybe, based on... But, but not because of just his play, because, I mean, he's got like a year left anyway, so who cares? 
That would be my stance. But I do think there's a lot of just just get rid of everybody because this is so stupid and I'm so mad, which of course would be completely detrimental when you can just bring in a better defensive coordinator and then boom, there's Jair, there's Stokes, there's maybe even Savage, maybe Amos, maybe Kenny, or you, you would expect very much actually Kenny to, to at least some degree rebound. But anywho's, why don't we go ahead and take a break right here and we'll come right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Ryan, it's Nate. I uh, wanted to call in because I know you're talking about the best and worst Christmas songs. Yeah. And I know it's not technically a Christmas song, but same time of year. I want to throw out uh, Adam Sandler's Chanika song, or uh, Chanika two and two and three, because he made uh, a few of them. But I've always thought that they were funny and just fun to listen to. So, um, and then I also want to know what your top three Christmas movies are, because mine would be um, the Jim Carrey Grinch is probably at number one. Christmas Vacation is probably number two, and then the Polar Express number three. But want to hear yours? Go back, go. Are you saying Hanukkah song? Sounded a lot like you said Chinica. So I was super confused. I'm sorry. But uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and do that real quick. All right, everybody. We're going we're gonna to sing a song right now that you, you might know the words too. So if you want to sing along, that would be fun. Here we go.
Instead of one day of presents, we get eight. I think you get the idea. Um, Christmas movies. Um, I'm trying to pull up a list here just to make sure I don't miss anything. I've got two that I'm pretty sure I already know. Not positive, but um, Scrooge and Home Alone. Home Alone is just such a Christmassy movie. I mean, it just gives me the warm and fuzzies. Trying to look. They got a lot of... I mean, they got way too many, like Edward Scissorhands, which, I'll tell you what, has a great movie. If we can call that a Christmas movie, that might make the list, because that's such a good movie. I haven't seen it in forever, though. Um, Elf, eh. It's it's a decent enough movie, but eh, the ref. It's another fantastic movie that I struggle to call a Christmas movie, but I I mean I, it is. It t- takes place uh, in Christmas, but I don't have that same association with Christmas with the ref. But that is a fantastic movie. Um, a lot of movies I've never heard of here. Got some National Lampoons, although I am a big National Lampoons Vegas Vacation person, Christmas Vacation. I know it's the most popular, or I'm pretty sure it is, but uh, I don't know it as well. Harold and Kumar is a stupid movie. That and uh, what was that other movie that came out around that time that everybody was obsessed with? I'm like, you guys are idiots. This is dumb. It's basically like a movie for stoners who pretend that it's funny, but it's really not. But, you know, because they get the reference, it's funny. It's not funny. And we are whittling it down here. I might have to go with Elf because I'm not seeing anything. What were yours? I mean, Die Hard, die, I'm not in the Die Hard as a Christmas movie camp. It's, it's similar to all those other movies. It takes place at that time, but if that's a Christmas movie, then so is Elf, and so is all these other movies that happen to take place around Christmas. Did I say Elf when I meant the ref? I don't know. Who knows what I say these days? Uh, Jim Carrey Grinch, I don't care for. Christmas Vacation is a good movie. Polar Express, I don't know if I've even ever seen that. I may have, but it was very not memorable if I did. I don't know. I, I went through a list of 100 movies. Um, not a massive fan of any of them. Um, Dr. Seuss Grinch I don't like. D-d-d-d. I might have to go with Elf, even though it's like, if you told me to sit down and watch Elf right now, I'd be like, dude, I'm so sick of that movie. I don't want to watch Elf. But it is good like once a year. When Christmas rolls around, it's like, oh, we should watch Elf, right? And then you watch it and you're like, all right, that's enough. Which is probably true of just about all these movies. So maybe it will be Elf. It's just because I've seen Elf this year that I'm kind of... So I think that's it. I think that's what I'm going to go with. Scrooged, Elf, Home Alone. Those are my top three. In order would be Scrooge number... Eh, Home Alone gives me the feels more. Scrooged, I enjoy more. So however you want to sort that out. San Francisco is obliterating Tampa. Uh, beep, 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 35 to 0. It makes me smile. I hate San Francisco, but still makes me smile. Uh, I'll just say Scrooged, Home Alone, then Elf. Hey, Ryan. It's just had a thought. What is overtime instead of the work that they had on? Apologize for whatever's going on with uh, Jake's phone here. Now it'd be more like hockey or soccer, where it's a shootout style, and then whoever can make the farthest field goal, and if they can squash, obviously that plays into it and making that. But whoever can make the farthest field goal at the end of a full-length overtime period. So obviously I had a hard time hearing that as you probably did too. I think what he was saying 
is if you finish overtime rather than ending in a tie, we get into a shootout. And the shootout is exchanging field goals. And like the first person to miss or get blocked or whatever uh, loses. I would be fine with that. I mean, you'd hate for games to come down to a field goal, but it doesn't really matter because, I mean, the, the game's over. So it doesn't matter if it's stupid. It's basically, do you want to do this or do you want to end in a tie? So, I, yeah, I guess I'd be fine with that. Would also increase the importance of kickers, who I think are already somewhat undervalued. Although, I mean, that's an extremely rare situation. But it happens, what, two, three times a year you get a tie? Told you I'd call again. <laughs> you did. But, uh... Since we're going into a movie thing here, man, I haven't seen the first one. I don't know if the first one's any good, but I just watched Two Lava Lantula Two or something like Lava Lantula Two. It's with Steve Gutenberg of all people. Steve Gutenberg. I don't know who that is. Funny movie, man. Dumb, dumb B movie. Cheesy as heck, but man. Oh my god. <laughs> if you can see it, just watch it. If you got a night where you just want to watch a stupid movie, Lava Lantula Two. I think is Two Lava Two Lantula. That's actually what oh. it was. It made no sense. I just watch it, but it's funny. Steve Gutenberg. That's hilarious because <laughs> I I just introduced my kids to short circuit. And um my wife maybe turn it off because there's stuff in there that's not for kids. It's hilarious to me how you watch like 1980s and early 1990s movies, and you're like, "Oh, it's PG, it's fine," and it's very much not. <laughs> I mean, it's like at least PG 13 rating by today's standards. But they're like, "Ah, it's P- kids are fine with this. It's totally fine." Um, but did you say Lava Lanch? But yeah, I was, I was. I was commenting about how he was like huge in this time period, the 1980s or whatever, and then he just completely disappeared. But uh, you got the Police Academy movies, you know, 1984, 1985. Uh, it Takes Two in 1985 with the Olsen twins, Short Circuit 1986, Three Men and a Baby 1987, Police Academy 4 1987. I mean, he was, I'm not going to say king of the 80s because there were several guys that were tearing it up in the 80s, but he was... Uh, the big shot for sure. All right, here it is. Lava Lantula. Steve Gutenberg. Patrick Renna, who I don't even know if that's how you say his name, but I recognize him. Not positive if I know who these other guys are, although I wouldn't have recognized Steve Gutenberg from this picture. 2015 horror movie. <laughs> Volcanic eruptions in Los Angeles unleash a swarm of gigantic lava-breathing tarantulas, and the graphics look like they are still from the 1980s. It really just shows, goes to show you what Steve Gutenberg has been up to these days. From the sci-fi uh, people that brought you Sharknado, we have Lavalantula. Is this meant to be a joke? It has to be somewhat meant to be a joke, right? It says horror sci-fi here, but I swear that's, that's a comedy. That's so stupid. But anyways, I appreciate the recommendation. Um, I'd like to tell you flat out, sorry, but I'm never watching that, but there is a slight chance that I'll be watching that. I did just finish... Um, Breaking Bad for like the third run through. And after finishing it, I realized I need to find something that's really entertaining, but is not so dark. And as I was trying to figure out what to do, I was like, you know what, let me give uh, Walking Dead a fourth try. And it starts off with like shooting a little kid in the head. Like, okay, this was this was a terrible idea. Trying not to watch dark things because it messes with you, especially you got the whole winter thing and there's no sunlight. Now it's like everything's horrible and death and 
horrible family dynamics. Everybody hates everybody, and everybody's trying to kill everybody, and it's paranoia and sadness and chaos. Kind of, kind of, kind of gets on you, you know. Kind of like those greasy tacos, you know. You can't just wipe it off. You gotta get some good soap and scrub and stuff. Yeah, I kind of scrub a little bit with some of that stuff. But anyways, I'm looking for something a little bit light, and that appears to be one of those things. So it's actually hilarious. My son really wanted to watch the Seahawks game, and um, we didn't get it like most of the country because uh, the Bucks and the 49ers game was on, and it was so bad they cut away from it. <laughs> <laughs> which is like the second time they've done that in a couple weeks. They did it to the Vikings a little while ago. And so he finally gets to watch it. That was two minutes ago. And then um, about 30 seconds ago, I see an update that Russell Wilson got smoked in the head and is staying down. So it's a pretty wild timing. Hope he's doing all right. So I'm watching the you Dallas Texans. And because, okay. you know, as much as I want the Texans to not lose, I still would rather have them beat. Cowboys, and I know I always say Prescott's trash. I don't really watch him play a lot of football, um, but I'm watching this game. You know, I just can't believe he plays us. He's trash. The dude is trash. I mean, he'll throw a dime to a, a you know, a full-speed receiver, then he gets all these passes tipped, throws it at people's feet. I mean, yeah, when he was all... And pay me forty million a year. I thought, oh, please do that because waste your money. But the dude thinks I, I don't know if he's got like good career stats, but uh, if he was on my team, I'd cut his expensive booty and get some get someone else. I don't know. Just I know it's the Cowboys, so media hypes everything up they do. But Prescott is T rash. Yeah, so um, Dak Prescott, first of all, let's take a look at his career here. Um, He's never been elite, put it that way, according, you know, looking at the grades and whatnot. Um, Low 80s, mid 70s, kind of in that range, 83, 72, 74, 80, 85, 82, 72. So that's what he has this year. But it's not just that. if you look at how he got to his 72, because 72 is not bad, well, he's got a 91, an 80, a 76, and a 72. He also has a 63, a 47 last week against Indy, and a 37 week one against Tampa. So, you know, that kind of goes to that inconsistency thing where, you know, it's hard to have sustained success. It's easy to put together some big games, some big stats, some big highlights, and be like, yeah, pay me my money. But it's a lot harder to actually win sustainably if you, you know, let's just say 30% of the time you suck at being a quarterback. It's hard for your team to sustain wins long enough to actually get through, for example, a playoff run. So, yeah, that's that can be a bit of a problem. So far this year, as a passer, Dak Prescott ranks 19th in the NFL, 23rd in big-time throws. He only has eight, um, in fact... He ranks 28th overall in big-time throws. Now, he's only played seven games, so total isn't necessarily fair, but it just gives you an idea of how little he's actually accomplished in that regard. On the other hand, however, he is 10th in turnover-worthy plays, which is to say 10th worst. And uh, there's a lot of bad quarterbacks here. you got Zach Wilson, Taylor Heineke, Jameis Winston, P.J. Walker, Justin Fields, Josh Allen. Shocking. Didn't realize that. Uh, really want to dig into that now. 
Cooper Rush, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, and then Dak Prescott. The heck is Josh Allen doing in the middle of them? I think it's just because he's so high in big time throws. He has so many great throws. Um, the contrast between big time throws and turnover worthy plays. He has, for example, three percent more big time throws and turnover worthy plays because he's at seven point four percent, which is the second highest above only Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, Dak, Dak is. I don't think he's ever really been anything better than average. I mean, at his best, maybe he's top ten. You know, like tenth. But I think he's always been kind of between 10th and 20th. That's just kind of been his reign. But yeah, I mean, it, depending on when you watch him, you, you'll catch him on days where he is he is the worst quarterback in football. He has those games, and that's part of the issue, I think. Well, I was getting tired of myself going in, but I'm going to do it again. <laughs> See you up in Alaska. Hey, you got like seven we're more. We're talking things. about how the team is going to get built. This is where am I at? We are 19 minutes and 52 seconds in. Great God. Man, you know, a lot of talk. I understand how you struggle with it sometimes. You okay. just kind of go on and on because you're hearing people and there's a lot of thought process. But I remember the Green Bay Packers in the 90s, and everybody talks about how great that team was. But let's be honest. We didn't have stud-wide receivers in that in that run. I, you know, Antonio Freeman, who's talking about Antonio Freeman being some Hall of Famer? Yeah, I mean... I mean, the, the year, I think the first year we won the Super Bowl is the first year we didn't have, um, oh, geez, I'm going to blank on his name, Sharp, right? I believe. Maybe not. Or no, it was the second year. So, yeah, we, we did not have Sterling Sharp. We did have Robert Brooks. And um, you could say that he wasn't necessarily an elite guy, but 1995, the year prior, he did a pretty good job for himself. We looked at this before, but um, 1,500 yards and 13 touchdowns, Ain't a, ain't a bad gig. Mark Chamura, also a pretty pretty solid tight end. 680 yards, seven touchdowns. But yeah, I get your point. Um, oh, my God. Let's talk about awesome receivers. Antonio Freeman, he was the guy. Dorsey Levins, running backs. Oh, my God. Oh, running backs that he just beat people up. It was just terrible. Oh, my God, it was awful. No, we, Dorsey Levins wasn't that great. We didn't have great weapons. What we had is much like what Kansas City Chiefs have today. We got a quarterback that does incredible things. And yes, let's, let's, let's be honest, makes stupid mistakes. But the guy can do like Copperfield Houdini magic when it all boils down as long as the defense can hold him in. Now, I don't understand how the Chiefs have been doing it because their defense sucks. But then again, Maybe at that point in time, our defense wasn't as good. I don't know because we... Number one in points and yards. They were pretty solid defense. Look at numbers. We put numbers into the categories we want those numbers to be in. Maybe our defense wasn't that good. We had we had a defense that gave up a lot and then would hit at hot points. You know, Reggie was great. Let's, let's be honest, but... Reggie in that Super Bowl wasn't great until the fourth quarter on that last drive when he got two sacks in a row. And man, Reggie was great. Sometimes I think to be an awesome football team, you have to have awesome players who do awesome things at the awesome moment. Reggie, we had uh, uh, Desmond Howard, 
And and then also you go later on to the later Super Bowl, we had, you know, Charles Woodson. I'm seeing my time running out, so I'm going to let it go because I'm probably going to call again playing Tom today. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think there's necessarily one formula in terms of, you know, you don't need wide receivers, you just need a this, that, or the other. I mean, Tampa, I think when they won their Super Bowl, had three top-tier wide receivers. They also had a really good defense. Um I mean, the 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 Rams formula compared to all these other teams, there's there's different ways of getting there. There's different ways of winning when you get there. Um, seems to me having a really good offense and a really good defense is probably a pretty good strategy. That's what I know. <laughs> However you manage to do that, that would be a great strategy to have. All right, let's do uh, let's do one more. Hey, Ryan. Uh, since it's a week with... Uh no real news concerning, you know, an upcoming game and stuff. I was going to revisit one more time the idea of having somebody in your family co-host your show since you're looking for material to talk about. Uh, All of these uh, calls inundated with Thomas Austin uh, is giving me PTSD, kind of like when uh, Michael thought Toby was gone and he walks back into the annex, and he sees he's there, and he's like, you know what he says. I'm like, holy cow, man. I've never fast-forwarded through so much on a podcast since watching uh, Roadhouse, the movie. So, uh... I gotta be mean to Tom. Come on, guys. Let's bring in some uh, calls with some material and stuff about Packers so uh, Thomas Austin can go back on uh, vacation. Have a good one, Ryan. Don't be mean to Tom. Also, I don't know why my family doing a thing would be better. Do you know what that's going to be like? I know what that's going to be like. It's nothing against my family. I'm just saying. If you're all about let's keep it super high intellect Green Bay Packers, I don't know. Anyways, I don't want to end on an anti, uh, (laughs) on a mean note to Tom. So let's do one more. The San Antonio Rattlers, you're welcome. All right. There you go. San Antonio. Didn't I say that? Oh, no. I, I, oh, I said rattlesnakes, right? And I said it was stupid because it was too long. The rattlers. All right. That works. San Antonio rattlers. Boom. Nailed it. Thank you, Nico. Good way to end it. We're going to head out of here. You folks have yourselves a great night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Oh, by the way, tomorrow, laughing at the enemy. Chicago Bears edition. Don't miss it. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.